Hello and welcome to the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast sponsored by Seton Home Study School. My name is Ginny Sufert and I'm here with my partner in crime, Mary Ellen Barrett. I have to warn you, we both have New York accents. <laughs> by, the, by the end of this podcast, you will know how to talk like you're from New York. Um, we love to talk about uh, homeschooling, about home management, about raising kids, about just kind of anything. And we hope that you will listen. As I say, Seton Home Study School is our primary sponsor. We have other sponsors too. You'll get to hear a commercial in the middle of the podcast. And uh, if you do enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Maybe share it, talk to your friends about it. We have been really delighted with the response that we've gotten to these podcasts, and we hope to build on them if they are helping moms and dads. Anyhow, today we have a great topic. I'm going to let Mary Ellen Barrett introduce it. Yeah, well, it's something we've touched upon a little bit here and there in our other episodes, but it's social skills and manners is really the title of what we're doing here. And the reason we're doing this is because, well, first of all, it's it's kind of a misnomer that um, homeschoolers are not going to have any social skills. You know, we're going to shelter them so badly that they're not going to be able to do anything. And that's that's another episode coming up, I'm sure. But I was reading and I was reading and doing some research for this. And apparently in 2017, so this is pre-COVID, a study of 2000 millennials found that 65% of them don't feel confident when it comes to face-to-face social situations. And two in five millennials believe that their lack of social skills has held them back in their work, while a similar number, about 39%, think it has caused problems with them for friendships. And 68% admit actively avoiding face-to-face contact and social situations with people if they can. And those numbers kind of astonished me. That was really crazy to me. And 62% of respondents experience deep feelings of dread. I mean, deep dread. They use dread, that not a little anxiety, dread, <laughs> dread, dread, <laughs> with the idea of face-to-face communications with friends or coworkers. So presumably people they know and know well. And they still dread these, these, you know, this contact. That's crazy. Well, and the thing for for those who don't know, millennials uh, were born basically between the beginning of the 1980s and the mid 1990s. That's called the millennial group. You have Gen X, Gen, you know, here's the thing. It hasn't gotten any better. I think we can safely assume it is not getting any better. And part of the reason, you know, I look back on it now and I, I see like I'm Italian, the old Italian people that came to this country from Italy or were born here, the children of immigrants, they would sit around in the afternoons and chat when they got home from work. Yeah. People had coffee and they talked. And I can remember walking with my grandma and and she would run into neighbors and they'd stand there and chat for a while. Now I'm convinced that so much of this is due to people being on screens constantly. Right. Well, nobody's outside like when I grew up in the suburbs and we lived on a pretty busy street. So we would go to the backyard and go over the fence and to the point where my parents cut a, a like a gate in the fence. So that we could like, because you break the fence going over. It right. So and then on the other, the other street behind us is where people would gather and you'd sit, we'd, they put their lawn chairs out in the driveway, like on a nice summer right, evening, sure. and they have their coffee or their tea or their or their beer or wine or whatever. And after dinner, and everybody would just gather and talk, and the kid, and we'd be all out there playing, you know, stickball or or hide and seek or whatever, um, pre- you know, hoping not to be seen so we can right, stay out later. Then they remember we have to go to bed at some right. point. But I can remember nobody that. does that anymore. I, I grew up in a city neighborhood. Nobody does that, and people used to sit on their stoops. 
Yeah, the stoop. They, they yes. sit on the concrete, <laughs> on the concrete stoop. And it was just very informal. They just sit there and gab. You're right. That maybe they'd have a coffee. Maybe they'd have a beer. Um, older people would get, sometimes older people would get home from work and they'd stop and chat on their way or that type of thing. So we've definitely lost that. There's immense, in fact, this would be another maybe topic for a podcast. From what I'm hearing now, it's hard for young people to find potential spouses. Oh, I can, I can absolutely because, attest to yeah, that. The you, days, yours are all married, mine aren't, and they're having a terrible time. Yeah, no, the days of just, you know, running into somebody in class and say, oh, gee, why don't we go get a cup of coffee? Nobody does. Or I heard there's anyway. a great movie playing. You want to see it Friday night? Those days are over. It's and all about the uh, the apps now. You have to have an app apps to meet. And people have a relationship with their computer screen and not with other human beings. So it's it's kind of a scary thing. It really is. But uh, we should talk about, we should define social skills, perhaps. And the social skills, I mean, if you haven't thought it through, it's how we interact with other people every day. It could be people in our own family. It could be people in our neighborhood. It could be people in our workplace. And right. actually, it is people that we we talk to online, Zoom calls or that type of thing. It's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 verbal interaction. There's there's um, electronic communication interaction. And when we talk about these social skills, I, I think we should make it clear too that um, we aren't talking about people who who have disabilities or neurological uh, things that hold them back from these. So the, those people are exempt from this conversation yes, because they are. they are, because I mean, right. I have, I have a child on the spectrum who, who struggles with that kind of thing, eye contact and, and meeting new people. Right. And that's, that's a very different thing. So we're, we're just taking all of that out of this and we're just talking oh, about, let me just add though, that normal, is a neurotypical real, people. That's a real opportunity for people who are neurotypical. To, for example, uh, I just saw something online. It was the coolest thing. The man who is the janitor in this grammar school uh, is deaf. He has some speaking skills, but it's he's he's deaf, stone deaf, as far as I could tell. And the first grade class learned how to sing happy birthday in sign. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that sweet? That's and the man wonderful. was crying as he hears these little kids singing happy birthday in sign. Oh. And I thought to myself, so people who are not neurotypical, uh, really common even to see like somebody uh, with senile dementia. They're a little older. They're obviously confused. Mm -hmm. They really don't remember who you are. Let's start, start this entire conversation with social skills are built on the virtue of kindness. Yes, yes, absolutely. Kindness yeah, and courtesy. Yes. Courtesy, charity. So if, if there's the old lady next door, like forgets who you are, you don't make fun of her. You go over to her and say, Hi, Mrs. Smith. Oh, you remember me. I'm Janie that lives next door. Can yes. I get you something? Do you need something? You want me to go get your mail for you? That type of little tiny thing. I don't know if the person is even capable of, of appreciating it, but your guardian angel is. Your guardian yes. angel sees what you and do. It's, it's just good for society. It sure is. Treat people with courtesy and kindness, regardless of whether you're unsure of their understanding or if, or if they're behaving strangely. I mean, we're supposed to see the face of Christ in everybody. Um, I clean I on Friday mornings. I go to early mass. And then um, afterwards, I'm in the Rosary Altar Society. So we clean the church and we dust and we um, I, and I do the linens. We change all the linens and things like that. There's always in the cold weather, homeless people in the back of our church. Always. Yeah. And um, they they aren't the most pleasant people to be around all the time. But we smile at them. We say hello. We get them a bottle of water if they need something like that. 
most of them just sleep, but it's right. just, they're warm, you know, and we, and and the pastor says, as long as they're not hurting anybody or themselves or making a fuss, he's perfectly happy for them to just lay in the back pews and get what warmth they can. But we're courteous to them, please, you know, thank you, that kind of thing, smile, good morning, how are you doing today? And these are not pleasant people all the time. They don't smell very good. They don't look very nice. But I think that elevates society when you behave like that to everybody. Right. Just everybody. Right. And don't put yourself in danger. We're not suggesting that. But no. at the same time, the vast majority of people aren't dangerous. They're just a little weird. They seem yeah. odd to us. And yeah. it's okay to be kind to somebody who's a little weird, who's a little forgetful, who's obviously shuffling around. Don't be impatient and have to walk around them because they're shuffling a little bit. So what? Right. You, can, you can wait a moment. Or if you do walk around because you're in a rush, you say, oh, you'll have to excuse me. I'm in such a rush. Please excuse me. You can be really nice. Yes. There's always, you can always be nice to people. You can always be nice. But this discussion is just taking those um, atypical kind of people out of right. it. And we're going to just talk about raising your neurotypical, you know, average everyday kids. With courtesy um, with and courtesy. manners. And it's really hurting them. The, one of the things that I think we have to get past is some parents think that being sort of formal at home or demanding these things is rigid in your household. Yeah. And the kids won't be happy and comfortable in their own household or, in, and actually just the opposite is true. It, yeah. If you learn these things, so they become second nature. I mean, kind of the joke would be please. And thank you. I would, my kids could be sitting in high chairs and say, I want a cookie. And I would say, how do you ask? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, those kinds of manners are mere, it's just being courteous to the people around you. Things like not chewing with your mouth open. Well, nobody else wants to look at that and holding and, a door open because nobody else wants a door slammed in their well, face. Well, when I've heard people say that, say say things like, well, this is their home and the people they love. And I'll say, well, yeah, they should be nicer to the people they love. Right. Extra nice to the people That's you the love. That's the nicest that you should yeah. be. There's something uh, kind of hypocritical about going out and being nice to everybody else and then behaving like a, you know, a caveman at home. Right. You're not a savage. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned holding doors. A lot of that, I think, got confused during the feminist era in like yes. the 70s and the 80s because it was, well, you know, I'm perfectly capable of opening my own door. Well, you know what? I'm a woman and I'm capable of opening my own door and I'll hold it for the person coming after me. Yes, I open doors for people all the time. All the time. So it, it's not it's not a gender thing. It's a very nice. If, and if a man were to hold the door for me, I think, how lovely. Thank you. <laughs> a, a young man recently held the door open for me. I young. He was probably in his 30s. And he held it open for me. And I said, thank you so much. Your mama raised you so nice. I don't know yeah, what I, made me say that. It just popped out of my mouth. And he, he looked a little startled. And he goes, you know, she did. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it, it, So this is not a gender thing. No matter what gender you are, you can be nice to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly somebody who needs it. Like one day, and I, I didn't stop to think of it. I got out of, the, I was at a doctor's appointment. I got out of the car and there was an older woman trying to open the hatch on the back of her car. And she was having trouble with it. And I, I just went over, I said, ma'am, can I give you a hand with that? Because I'm a big, strong girl. And I lift up the hatch and I said, can I get something out for you? She's, oh yeah, my walker. Oh, Something. good Lord. The poor thing. Right. The poor thing. She could have been sitting there forever. And so, then, you know, I kind of ask. Yeah. Oh, so gosh. those little kindnesses go a long way. Uh, another one, I have to tell you, uh, I was an HR director for a while before I started my present mm -hmm. job. So it was my job to interview people for, you know, possible positions. Learn how to dress for the situation that you're going to. 
Right. And I feel like we have become so, ca- and I think COVID completely ruined this. What little, yeah, we're a nation of vest- Islam, let's say. <laughs> yes. Whatever vestiges of it we had left, um, when whether you're going to church or a wedding or a funeral or, or a, a wake, job interview or a job interview or just to somebody's house for dinner, you know, even if it's a barbecue or something, there are certain norms of dressing that you should pay attention to. I have gone to wakes lately. And it's people came from the gym. Like what? what I know what is going on here. I I put a I pair of like black my, slacks and a nice sweater. But you know you don't have to dress yeah. up up. But I mean at least somber and and nicely. Um, and I'd say the way you used to dress for church, nobody dresses for church anymore. That drives my pastor crazy. Well, I jo- I kind of joke about it because people will go on and on online. You know, Catholic women will sort of argue we should we veil or not, right? And I'm thinking I'd be thrilled if they didn't wear sweats to mass. Yeah. Like yeah. don't wear shorts. I'll settle for covering yourself up. <laughs> then we'll worry about the veil second, yeah. you know? I mean, but- people really don't know how to dress anymore. And um, it makes a terrible impression. I have to tell you, when you show up for a job in a, in a pair of jeans and a belly button shirt, nobody is going to hire you. It's hard to take people who don't pay attention to that very seriously, I think. When you're, when you're coming to a serious thing, when you're coming for a serious position or an interview or something, or even just a meeting with somebody, say you're meeting a new tutor at the library or something right. like that, you want people to take you seriously as, as, a, as a person who has serious intent about whatever it is that's going well, that, on. And also a respectful person. Like I respect yes. you enough that I'm not dressing like a slob Right. Whatever this this situation is, I'm dressing dressing appropriately. Yes. So if you're going to put a bathing suit on, okay. If you're at a beach, good idea. Otherwise, pass on it. In fact, one pastor where I lived was so hilarious. In the Sunday Bulletin, he put um, the parish council had a uh, meeting last week, and they have decided against putting a pool in the nave of the church. <laughs> so those of you that have been coming dressed for a pool party may feel free to now once again wear church clothes. <laughs> That's genius. That is genius. It's a funny way of handling it, but it is a problem. You see these kids coming, not kids, I mean, grown women coming to to, yes. to church in like short shorts sort of thing. I mean, don't just cover it yeah, up. Yeah, I, I wrote an article for um, the Long Island Catholic, which was our diocesan newspaper. It's now d- defunct, unfortunately, but it was about um, that kind of thing. And I wrote, um, if you wear it to the gym, if you wear it to bed, or if you wear it to the beach, don't wear it to church. church. And I thought that was kind of a basic That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Don't and show it, up in your pajama pants to go to mass. It turned out that people, um, that got clipped and put in, I don't know how many bulletins, <laughs> that article. <laughs> it was one of my more popular ones with the pastors. Well, I, guess. I think the issue with the pastors is they don't want to turn people off from right. going to church. They really don't. Uh, so they're, they they he- they hesitate to say anything, but they're kind of appalled by it. So Mine dress appropriately is. for yes. church. Um, we were talking before about you know please and thank you. Well, that even goes to certainly verbally we should do that, but sometimes you should send thank you notes. I was talking about the interviews. I'd, I'd have people come in for interviews. The best thing you can do after an interview is you know. You know, dear Mrs. Super, it was so nice meeting with you yesterday to discuss my position as the executive assistant. Uh, is there any way, you know, is there anything I can do now to move this process forward? Again, thank you so much for meeting with me. Okay. Yes. She's got to leg up. Yes. It, and nowadays in, in business, it's probably better to do something like that as an email because things move so quickly, you know, right. by the time your mail gets to you. But certainly if your grandmother sends you a birthday present, she is going to appreciate a handwritten thank you note. 
And I think those the kinds of courtesies are very general, important. We've kind of gotten away from that now. We send emails and emails are a fine way to contact somebody. So if I yeah. hear that you are sick and I want to send you a little private note, dear, oh, Mary Ellen, I'm so hard, sorry to hear you've been sick. Please get better soon. But there is something to be said for a note or a card. Yes, in certain situations, it's absolutely more appropriate, I think, like the grandma situation, or you've had a first communion party. So you have, you know, you get the big second grade paper and you have the child, even if they're copying the same thing for everybody. Thank you for coming to my party. Thank you for my gift. Love, Janie. You know, and then we put that in an envelope. And yes, it's tedious, but you do two or three a day and nobody's like sitting around waiting for it. I think that that's really important. And I think it means a ton to people. Yes. I really do. And it's a great habit to get into. And again, it fosters, we were just saying, you know, it's built on kindness. It's also built on gratitude. Sure. You should be grateful when people don't have a sense of entitlement. You're not entitled to much. No, it's true. Like I, I received of gratitude. my first communion or I graduated or I, I have a wedding. I'm getting married. I'm entitled to a present. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you <laughs> are not. You lunch lady, you know. <laughs> You know, it's it's just the thoughtful thing to do. And emails of, are very, very fine in, in most situations, especially business ones, because you need to go sure. quickly. You do need to go quickly. But um, I think a handwritten note, it, and it just kind of sets you apart as a courteous, thoughtful, and kind of a classy person. Yep. I think. No, so you know. Thank you note is great. Also, if you go to somebody's house, and I would say absolutely the first time, but I used to do this all the time with friends that I knew very well. Bring a little something, bring a bottle of wine, bring a box of donuts, cookies you baked or flowers from your garden. Like it It doesn't have to be money, you know, just a little offering to say, this is important. I'm grateful that you invited me. Thank you for cooking or whatever it is you're doing. Just a little something. Some little something I think makes all the difference. And people have stopped doing that. Um, Men don't wear those baseball caps backwards in the restaurant just take it off oh just take it off that oh off. gosh that used to drive my father insane if my brother who was a baseball fanatic and played up through high school if he showed up at the dinner table with a hat on oh my goodness you did not want to be in the room with them. yeah it, it just it was one of those well, things. that generation was unthinkable it was absolutely unthinkable you and see it all over now in ever even nice restaurants yeah. like i'm not talking about mcdonald's who cares what you wear at mcdonald's but in a nice restaurant where you're sitting down and maybe you're getting a bottle of wine and, and there's flowers on the table and there's no paper napkins and then there's somebody with a baseball cap i don't it get horrible. it just take it off I don't, and I, then oh. while you're at that lovely dinner with the white tablecloth, speak in a nice tone of voice. Oh, yes, yes. I don't need to hear your conversation from two two tables away. And people, I have... People aren't quiet anymore. People are not quiet. They're loud. They allow their children to be loud. I don't want to hear, you can't control your kids. I, I had 12, including five adopted kids, some that had been in orphanages and stuff. And I was able to control my kids. I really right. was. Well, you don't bring children to places that way unless they're ready to. But certainly right. in movie theaters or in like the dental waiting room, people can talk in a moderate tone. Mm-hmm. And please do not start talking on your phone like loudly as if you're alone in the room in public where I can hear you. And this, my my husband has a pet peeve on this because he commutes to the city, to, to New York City. And he's got an hour train ride little over an hour and people just get on their phones and start talking so maybe he's trying to read or rest or work <laughs> all he's now he's involved in this conversation and sometimes he, he you can hear the most so. incredibly oh. inappropriate conversations personal personal 
<laughs> I used to take the L to work too when I worked in Chicago. And I don't want to know those details about you. You're a perfect stranger. <laughs> Please text. That's why we have texts on our phones. Please text. Please do not yes. talk about that. Well, wait till um, you get home to discuss your personal life. Yes, your very personal stuff that nobody <laughs> wants to hear. Um, and, but there's some places you shouldn't be talking again at all. And that's the, probably a train. Uh, if you take Amtrak, they have quiet cars. Yeah, which is nice, but it shouldn't be incumbent upon a train, you know, company right. to make sure that you... I mean, just it's yeah, don't talk in the not... theater. Don't talk loudly in waiting rooms. Don't talk. God, don't talk in church. Maybe after church. I mean, you run into people that, you know, it's better to take it out to the vestibule or outside. But I suppose if it's the middle of the winter and it's 20 below and you just ran into old Aunt Mary, who's such a sweet old lady and she's going to trip on the ice, you know, so they're going to get the car for her. It's OK to talk in church, but keep your voices down. People want to pray down. Yeah, I mean, I. In, in my parish, which is a very large parish, and it's a very big church with very good acoustics, it's probably the worst place in the world to try and pray. And I get so frustrated because it's just loud. People are talking all the time. And my pastor has said, well, if he says, I, and he does, he gets up on the um, the, the podium there and he's, he's always saying, please be quiet, please be quiet. And, he, and, and they actually ask the cantor to say, announce, please be quiet, please be quiet. Right. Nobody's quiet. Um, and he says, if you guys people in the assembly, if you were to say, turn around and say, oh, be quiet. And I've done it. <laughs> and it, that my husband just wants to leave town when I do it. He's just, I know. He gets so, and he's not not confrontational, but I don't know. I just, I did it on a- It's awkward. Good Friday. This lady just, I don't know, in the front, we sit in the front and this lady in the front row just started to, I don't know if she was telling jokes or doing stand-up or what. And all of these ladies just started screeching with laughter on Good Friday, <laughs> right before services. Oh. And I finally had to just say, hey, it's Good Friday, be quiet. And my kids are here. all sinking in the pew. They're like, oh, I know. You know. <laughs> They're mortified. They are. They're mortified. But they aren't the ones who should be. The screechers should be mortified. Yeah, they were. They should be. <laughs> they and they should have immediately said, oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't realize we were getting out of hand. And take it to the vestibule. It's just, I don't know. It was crazy. Take it, but... take it outside. Um, another thing that you see all the time now is reaching across people, reaching across tables. Oh, yeah. That's another one that I get smacked for at the dinner table when I was growing up. My father oh. was handy with the, the back of the knife over your knuckles. Well, I know that sounds cruel you. nowadays, but that's how I was raised and it worked. <laughs> it, it works just fine. We wouldn't have dared to do that. You never reached for something. You could say, you know, could I have the potatoes, please? Yeah. And somebody would pass them to you. Uh, yes. It's just a great habit. It is rude to do it. You don't know. It can startle people in, in, in a certain situations. Just don't do it. Um, when, when I was a kid, every male stood when a woman entered the room. That is such a lovely thing. I just think that's, or when somebody elderly walks in the room, I, I and you see it in old movies all the time. Yes. And it's I, just, I think kids should, we were taught as kids, you stand up when an adult walks into the room. I, I, and you, I can't and, say and that I was taught that. I really can't. I was. And greet them. So yes, I, no. I, I can tell you in first grade at St. John the Baptist in Yonkers in New York, uh, there were 60 kids in the class and the nun would always put like a smarter, a little more on the ball kid next to the door. Mm. <laughs> and, and if father walked in, he'd hop to his feet. We'd all notice it. We'd all hop to our feet and good morning and God bless you, father. Yes. Well, now that I was taught is that when a, when a religious walks in the room, regardless but it's just, of a boy or a girl, um, 
you know, a child or, or right. an adult, you stand up when a priest or a nun or a brother or somebody and, walks in the room. And you answer somebody who speaks to you. Always, always, always. Yes. And even at times, you know, as I say, we were taught to say good morning and God bless you, Father. But if, you're, if your kid is at somebody's house and the mom from that house comes in, don't just sit there, watch TV and ignore them. Yeah. No, you have to stand up and greet people. You have to and, stand up and greet people. Yeah. Yes. And when we when we take in the children to someone's house, I insist, even if like the mom is in the kitchen and the kids are all running around outside, you go and find the mom or the, the lady of the house or the man of the house and say, oh, you know, hello, thank you for having me. You know, right. you look them in the eye, and you kind of greet them and thank them for having you. Um, I There are a lot of situations that it's traditional to stand that I don't think people know anymore. And I think that's kind of a shame. Like it used to be, I don't know, when you said um, Hail Holy Queen or Hail Mary or something, you right. would stand, yes. you know, even if, you know, if you were um, like in school, you would just stand up to say these kinds of prayers or well, that and stand for the national anthem stand when the flag goes by. Oh yes. When the flag, I, I mean, I, I think our, our listeners here are people who for, for the most part, these things that we're saying about dressing well in church and the, um, they certainly stand for the national anthem and you put your hand over your heart, but, uh, by and large in society, you don't see it anymore. Like to put your hand over your heart, or, you know, if, if they're military or, for, or the Boy they Scouts, salute, right. they, they do their little salute thing. Um, it's just there's tradition to to standing and it's just a, a sign of reverence and respect. The Hallelujah Chorus um, used to yeah. be that you had to stand for that. And everybody knew it. Hallelujah Chorus. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are just all these little traditions about and it and it's such a shame that we've lost these niceties of society. We've become so casual that nothing is really reverenced anymore nothing is honored nicely yeah you show the importance of the person who's who's serving as your host or you're showing the importance of the american flag or of singing hallelujah because jesus christ is risen from the dead yes yeah i mean it's it, it i just find it really sad and when you watch some of these old movies or even a show like downton abbey which um i i enjoy like those period dramas where those manners are paid attention to in the drama it's like oh wow this is just I know it seems very formal and fussy, but it's also just so sophisticated and and like I said before, a little bit classier to behave that way all the time. It's a lovely way to live when people are courteous at the dinner table. Yeah. It's just a lovely way to eat as opposed my my son has six kids and he's always, you're not going to eat like savages. I know. You know, I'm a, I was always saying, who invited Klingons to my dinner table? Yeah, right. You're, you're not going to eat like a savage. You yeah. know, you have, to, you have to learn how to eat like a proper human being and whatever. Well, we can go on and on about this. We can give some practical ideas about how to implement that, but maybe this is a good time uh, to break. As we said, Seton Home Study School is our primary sponsor, but we do have other sponsors and maybe this is a good time to hear from one of them. Choose the best answer. A, Seton testing provides tests and test preparation materials for homeschoolers. B. Seton testing offers many different tests, including online tests, diagnostic tests in reading and math, and standardized testing for end-of-year proof of progress for homeschoolers. C. Seton testing provides quick and accurate results. Or D. All of the above. If you answer D, then perhaps you already know that Seton testing has been providing testing services to homeschooling families at affordable prices for more than 40 years. To see how Seton Testing can serve your family, 
see our website at seatontesting.com. Good news, if you are currently enrolled with Seton Home Study School, then you will receive a discount on standardized testing. See seatontesting.com for details. Well, thank you very much to our sponsors. We're so appreciative of everybody who, who takes a chance on this fairly new podcast and, and sponsors us. It's wonderful. And we hope that you uh, spend some time checking them out and supporting them. It's really important to us. And it's and we are grateful. We really are. So we're, we're going to talk about, I think, some practical ideas that help your children be comfortable in social situations and successful. But I just wanted to mention this. We had looked up the root of the word rude is interesting. It comes from Latin rudis, which I might be pronouncing wrong because my Latin is non-existent, but it means unsophisticated. And it wasn't, yeah, (laughs) vulgar. Yeah. It wasn't until the late middle ages that the word came to mean ill-mannered, which is to say the opposite of polite. So that's a little fact, fun fact for your children. They're they're Latin. Yes. um, But nobody wants to be ill-mannered or unsophisticated or vulgar. I don't think anybody in the world says, all right, today's the day I'm going to switch and become a vulgar person. Nobody wants that. We kind of talked about it before, real life implications. Sure. Yeah, it absolutely does. If you go into this girl you're incredibly in love with and you're meeting her family and you're awkward, Going yeah. in, do I shake the father's hand? Do I shake the mother's hand? What, how do I make small talk with these people? First of all, you can make a horrible impression. <laughs> yeah. But but it's not a fit. So anytime you think, oh, I don't like to be so formal at home. Uh-uh. Make it, make it so that being somewhat formal at home is just a part of your life. Like it's so easy for the kids. It's part of what they do every day. They don't think twice about it. Uh, practicing good manners at home is so important. So if your kids just get into the habit of always saying please, always saying thank you, always saying things like, would it be too much trouble? Do you mind? You know, those types of little niceties around the house. If they get into that habit when they're four, five years old, and it's reinforced for years and years, it will make a great impression on your future fiance's family. It, will, it also kind boss. of settles the house down. I mean, when oh, everybody's yeah. just behaving nicely and then nobody's screaming and yelling and the, like we all talk in nice moderate tones and we say please and thank you. And the boys are very courteous of the girls because they're girls, you know, right. that they have that that kind of sensibility about them, which I encourage. Um the house settles down. There's not as much bickering. There's not as much conflict. People are just kind to each other. They're kind um, and they're comfortable with being kind. Yeah. And and that's a big deal. I, and just also in, I, I've always made this rule because I grew up this way. If when we're talking about dress, like when I serve dinner, coming to my dinner table, you don't come in dirty clothes. You don't right. come in your bathing suit. You don't come just, you know, just in your bathing suit. Um, I call kids in from the yard. They have to wash their hands. They have to comb their hair. If you're, if you're, t-shirt or your polo is filthy just go put on a clean one I'm the one who does the laundry don't worry about it I like to see nice clean people at my dinner right. table I again like we're a not savages mess. yeah I mean and if you're in the bar- backyard at a picnic table that's one thing but if you're coming into my house to eat with us in a in a nice situation I expect you to be fully clothed and clean yeah fully clothed clean 
I used to, and for years, people are going to think I'm nuts because I had so many kids, but we used cloth napkins. I, st- I do. I do. You know what? You can get them on Amazon. I'll put it in the show. They don't notes. have to be ironed anymore. Years ago, you had <laughs> I, to iron them. You don't have to no. iron them anymore. It's 12 just packs. Throw in I think it was watch. $15 for a 12 pack of cotton napkins in all kinds of pretty colors and, and yep. patterns. And I have probably three or four sets of them. And I have napkin rings. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen this because I, I make a big deal of setting the table every night. There's candles on my table most most nights and we light them. Um, I think that helps foster this idea that this is an important thing. The family meal is important and we're all going to behave nicely. And if you have candles and and uh, cloth napkins and just nice plates set out, um, even if and it ends f- up- And forks and knives and yeah. it's okay to, and actually kind of a waste. Most of us have dishwashers these days. You could put like two forks, put a dinner fork and a salad fork. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you stone in your knife on the, let the kids, by the way, kids get a kick out of this. You can look up almost like placemats that show you how to set a table. Yeah. And oh yeah. Kids get kind of a kick out of it. Putting the cloth napkin on the left, you know, on the left with the forks on that and the knife, the knife with the pointy side, the sharp side paint uh, towards the plate, the spoon next to that, a water glass. We all have dishwashers today. Actually, I don't, but there's only two of us. And that's why you have those kids too, right. because they, they can wash dishes. I but wash setting, plenty of dishes, but setting and I, it's funny you should mention that because in um, my son, Sean, is taking the nutrition class at Seton for his, mm-hmm. one of his science credits. And he's toward the end of the book because we're, we're, we're taping this in May, I guess, mid-May. So we're, we're just about done with school. And there's a whole section on how to set a proper table in the nutrition book. Well, <laughs> something to be said for it. He had a review question or something like, where does the bread plate go? And I was like, oh, I know this. I know, I know this because I always stick it by the um, by the knife. Actually, it's supposed to go up and um, on top above, of the plate. Yeah, on top of the plate. But I was kind of put it off toward the, the right-hand side. But so I was wrong. It may sound silly <laughs> in your home. Like the kid can put his bread on his, his dinner plate. But actually, someday that child might have to go to a corporate meeting. Hmm. And it sure would be nice to know what that plate is. Yes. My my daughter, Katie, is getting to that point in her career where she's starting to be invited to lunches, business lunches and business dinners and things like that. And um, she knows how to behave because she knows what all that silverware is for. Right. She knows. And, and, and really and truly, nobody will probably notice if you use your salad fork to eat your steak. I mean, I don't think people sit there and, and judge that type of thing. But they will notice like if you pick up your, you know, pick something up with your hands and start eating it with your hands or pick yeah. up your soup bowl and, and use it like it's a cup. Kids insist on really nice manners at the dinner table. My one son, uh, he pushes table again. He doesn't want his kids to be savages. So he'll have a, a, a question. What was the nicest thing that happened to you today? And yeah. the kids just have to go around and say, or or tell me two things that somebody did did to, did for you that was nice. Um, my one daughter who has little, little kids, I mean, her kids are, I guess, two and four and, uh, she, they would always say, well, what is your favorite? What was the favorite thing that happened to you today when they're trying to talk to the kids at the dinner table? Mm-hmm. And then she said it occurred to her a couple of months ago that like, nobody says, gee, mommy, what was the best thing that happened to you today? Oh, see, now that's rude too. Like they, yeah. there's no reciprocal of that. You have to ask about your, you know, the other person at the so table. She could, now, like I said, her kids are little, little kids, but yeah. she brought that up to me. She says, how come nobody asked mommy and daddy what our favorite part of the day was? Yeah. Well, now that's, just, will that's ask. a good lesson to, to to teach them is that it can't be all about you. Because right. how many times have you sat to talk with somebody and 
you know, an hour later, you know everything about them and they they haven't even asked you like anything. Yeah, they, they don't know your name really. <laughs> so, I mean, it that is a, a very good point and, so and it's a good lesson for the dogs. And that's something, and we see this again and again and again, and this was in that survey. People are afraid of social interactions. Well, really social interaction when you love somebody. If I come to your house and we're friends and I've known you for years and we're good buddies, we could catch up. And we'd have a great time. Mm-hmm. But what if I meet like, you know, your uncle who comes over and I've never met him and I know nothing about the man. I have to be able to make small talk. I have to be able to say, doesn't Mary Ellen have a lovely living room? Or or something. Did yeah. you see those flowers on the way in? They are just gorgeous. You have to, and this will happen again and again and again in your life that you have to be able to make small talk. And you learn that at the dinner table. Yeah, just any remark like that can spark a conversation and suddenly you're connecting with that person and you find you have things in common and then it becomes easy to chat, but you have to be able to initiate it. And you have to chat about random things. This is an absolutely essential quality that every person or skill that every person has to have. You have to know how to make small talk with strangers. Yeah. And it could be something very good. Oh my goodness, that baby is so cute. That's all. It doesn't have to be anything remarkable or profound. And I just want to throw this one out there because some of you may be saying, oh, I would do that. But, you know, my kid, my one kid is so shy. I had a daughter that literally hid behind my skirt all the time. A shy one, huh? She was just really shy. She wasn't rude. She was a nice kid, but she was. And the difference between shy and rude might be intent, but actually when you're looking at it, it doesn't look any different. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't look any different. After a certain age, I would say, you know, toddlers, you know, you expect them to kind of cling to mommy, but say four and up, yep. they should be at least able to say hello. And some of your children will be very naturally gregarious. I thought my one son, uh, we had a couple of my grandkids down to stay with us. We live in the nowhere, Kentucky, and uh, some neighbors came up to see us. And uh, they said, oh, you have your grandkids here with you. And my one grandson, he was 10 at the time, walks up, puts his hand out and says, hi, I'm Chris. Isn't that lovely? And, and I, I thought, that's wow. such an impressive thing to do for that a young kid man. kid is going to go far in this yes. life. Now, his aunt, my daughter at that age, would have tried to hide behind me or something. But I, what you have to do with kids like that, it's not an excuse. This natural timidity is just not an excuse. You just have to prepare them better. So if... You just have to say, listen, honey, Mrs. Barrett is coming over. When Mrs. Barrett says hello to you, I expect you to say hello back. If she asks you a question, I expect you to answer it. And I expect you to use her name. Right. And that's all. It's really, that's a three or four sentence interaction. Yep. You know, hello, so-and-so. How are you today? Oh, it's so nice to see you're getting so big. And off the kid goes to play with his friends. And off the kid goes. And you'll see this. I think a really good clue is at church. If you stop to say hello to father, which most of us do Mm -hmm. on the way out. And father is looking at little Billy and saying, hi, hi, Billy, how you doing? And he kind of hides behind you. Yeah. You you might not drag him out there and make a scene, but in the car on the way home, you really have to chew Billy out. Listen, when father speaks to you, you have to say, hello, father. And if father says to you, how old are you or something? You have to say, you know, I'm five years old, father. (laughs) Yeah. It's a matter of respect. And it, and it is, like you said, just such a good life skill. A lot of the success I had with, um, working for the investment bank way, way back before I had kids, BC, before children, um, right. wasn't so <laughs> you much- you remember that time? Vaguely. 
<laughs> it was it wasn't so much that I was so so good at my job. I was pretty good at my job. There are a lot of people who were good at their jobs. I could talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, and I could I could chat and so people were comfortable with me. People um in some cases they thought I knew more than I did just because <laughs> I was everywhere talking to everybody. And so I it was I was easily promoted because I could talk to anybody and I could talk to clients and I could talk to the higher ups and I could talk to the salespeople yeah. and the traders. And that kind of being friendly and, and um, I don't know, just being able to chat with people uh, on the line in the cafeteria well, or in the, the hallway. Path. Yeah. Most it, of it, us are not geniuses. Most of us are not fantastic at what we do. We're good at good, good enough at what we do, but there's a lot of people that might be good enough at what we do. Exactly. Yeah. But I so mean, what you shine, out of the pack? If and it could be your manners. It could be your ability to make small talk. It could be the fact that you sent a thank you note after some, whatever it is, you're always dressed appropriately. Something has to pull you out of the pack. Yeah, and and, and that will be um, evident in college interviews um, because there are how many millions of people applying for those, say, a thousand spaces in that right. college for that freshman class. And so schedule the interview because that always helps. Meet the admissions director. Have the, ha, not you, mom, not you, dad. <laughs> have the student ask a bunch of questions. Prepare them beforehand. Um, go on the tour, talk to people. Really, that's how you stand out. So maybe your grades are the same as most of other people's, or maybe even a point or two below. But if you stand out as somebody who's going to fit into that college and make a difference there and, and you know, be in the clubs, be an, and asset, be be an asset to the right. school, Absolutely. then they will accept you a lot quicker than they will with somebody with the exact same qualifications or maybe even a little better because you've made that nice impression. And well, that's sure. really important. If you apply to an Ivy League, everybody that applies to an Ivy League got 1600 on their SATs. You know right. I mean? They all have good grades. They all come from nice families, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if you're the gregarious one and you clearly are going to make a good impression there and, and just do what it just gives such a good impression. So, I mean, right. you can't start early enough because beginning around your what? sophomore, junior year of high school, it starts to affect how your life is. If you want to get a job, if you want to get yeah. into a college, if you want to you know, be that Eagle Scout, whatever it is. So yeah, these are not small things. So it's actually worthwhile, I think, for homeschool parents to consider having a little class. Etiquette, you know, my high school, I went, class. I went to an all girls, um, an all girls Catholic private high school and um, it was very she she. And they, they had charm class for the seniors because- yeah. And we thought it was the goofiest thing at the time. But at the end of our senior year, we had, you know, ring night and the ladies luncheon and the father daughter dance and the mother daughter tea and all this kind of nonsense. Very, you know. But you knew how to sit there and drink a cup of tea. Right. Oh, I mean, we learned when you take your gloves off, you know, if you is it proper to lunch with gloves on or your hat on or we had to wear hats and gloves to things. Um, It was very I'm not that old. but It was very like a 1950s kind of situation. But I there was learned, a lot of that stuff when I was growing up. Yeah, but I mean, and this was the 80s, but I I learned the proper way to do a lot of things. And my parents were very into that. But there was something like I didn't know about lunching with gloves on or, you know, where the fish fork goes. We didn't have a fish fork <laughs> or things like that. I mean, it was such a good education. How to go could through never, a receiving line. And, it could never hurt. That's right. Have a receiving line after a wedding. It could never hurt to have a class. And then the final thing, I think maybe we've gone a bit over on this one, but I am horrified when I see public rudeness from young people. (laughs) 
<laughs> where have you? <laughs> it's everywhere. Go to it's everywhere. And I'm horrified <laughs> by everywhere. it. It's everywhere. So yes. I just want to point out that if you do nothing else and get nothing else from this talk, do not allow your children to be rude to you or to anybody else. Yeah. So for example, and, and I think of that as, oh, we're we having this for dinner. That's rude. It is rude. It's That's incredibly really rude. rude. It's insulting. It's rude. And it's not the only thing to say is thank you so much for this lovely dinner, mom. Yeah. And if you don't like something, like it really grosses you out, you can't possibly eat it. The only possible answer to that is, oh, no, thanks. I've had enough. Right. I'm not hungry. I'm just going to eat salad. <laughs> and I is. have to say, uh, I've been married over 50 years, which gives away my age here. Uh, my husband to this day, whatever I give him for dinner, he'll say, thank you, honey. That was delicious. My husband has always done that too. And I think I, I really appreciate that because there have been times when it was not. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it just too. was not. <laughs> or, or it's you just know. a very ordinary dinner. There's nothing right. spectacular about it, to put it mildly. But the fact that that he cares enough about me and is courteous and kind and says, thank you, honey, that was delicious. It, the rudeness too isn't just always things that you say. It's funny that we're we're talking about this today. Yesterday, I went to one of our local thrift stores and I was standing there, I was purchasing something and there were two people online ahead of me. And the one who was paying, she was in the act of paying and she had she had a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she, as she's paying, as the lady's ringing it up and these, the, it was a church thrift store. So um, it was an elderly volunteer, this lady who was not moving that quickly. But as she's ringing it up, the woman who was supposed to be paying was actually running around the store shopping still. So she's great. And she's throwing, literally throwing it over the counter at this woman. And so, but now those of us waiting online are still waiting, like you're still shopping, stop. And right. And so this lady's engaged in the payment thing. She's got the register going. She can't stop. It was waiting 20 minutes for this woman. I was. That's a really good example, though, because it shows (laughs) that mostly rudeness is selfishness. Right. It's just not considering what's it's going not on around you. Of other people. You're not thinking of other people on the line behind you or the poor cashier who's trying to deal with this, who's probably not paid for it if she works in a thrift store. Or no, no. She, they're definitely volunteers for, yeah. um, for the Catholic church in that town. I was here. I am standing there 20. I, I had nowhere else to be. It was actually like my little quiet time. I ran out for the afternoon, but I, here I am trying to buy this 50 cent picture frame, which took me 20 minutes. I know. This is ridiculous. But this woman just had no concept that there were other people online yeah. waiting. And, th- and this, this is so rude. So common. So I'll just kind of finish. I think we should finish this one up. We've been at it for a while. Mother Teresa, I'm a big Mother Teresa groupie. And she used to talk about the big smile. Oh, this is yes. part of her spirituality. It's just smile. Just when when So when you go, get, go to that cashier and you see, you know, Jane is her name. Jane, thanks so much for checking me out. I appreciate it. You have a good day now. Doesn't just be really nice to be, be considerate of others. If you have that big basket because you have 10 kids and you, you know, your basket is overflowing at the grocery store and the guy behind you is obviously on his lunch hour with a sandwich and a cup of coffee. Sir, you go first. Yeah. Yeah. I do that a lot because I always I have a dump truck full of me food. Too. <laughs> me too. And I, I got into the habit and I've let more than one person go. Yeah. Oh, you only have four items. Go on. It's going to take me forever to check out. It's just many times teaching the the kids. uh, Yes. To be aware of what's going on around you. Don't be. And I think this, the screens make them just be aware of like themselves and, and focused on what's in front of them maybe, or what their goal is like the cashier or the parking lot or whatever. Be aware of what's going on around you. 
See who might yeah. need help or who how you can make somebody's day a little easier or a little brighter. With a big smile. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be a big thing. Little things with great love. Yes. So that is, I do love that. And and Ginny is a huge fan of Mother Teresa. Really a huge fan. She does you practice that spirituality well because you are always very friendly. I try to be. You are. You are. Well, anyhow, however, people will be hating us because they're gonna feel like they stayed on this podcast forever. <laughs> If you um, if you want to just check out some resources, we'll put them in the show notes. But there's Emily Post, right? You can't go wrong with her. I have her books. There's a little Ms. Manners. Miss Manners, yeah. Um, there's a little book called Manners in God's House for Little People about behaving in church. And it's it's just a cute little story. And The Complete Gentleman, The Modern Man's Guide to Chivalry, which is also a really great book for the young men to, to learn all these wonderful things that's going to set them apart so their lady love will find them and <laughs> they will live forever in just joyful happiness. So we want to thank you very much for joining us today. It's been great. It's a good it's a good subject. And we are going to be back probably next Wednesday, I guess. They're going to drop another episode. We hope that you will um, like us and give us a really nice rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We're available just about any place you could listen to a podcast. So that five-star rating helps us get in front of other people who might be interested in homeschooling. The more five stars we get when people put in homeschooling on the podcast search bar, we pop up. So help us out with that. And don't forget our sponsors, and particularly our main sponsor here is Seton Home Study School. You can check them out at seatonhome.org and see that they are a fully accredited curriculum company from pre-K through 12. And we are grateful for their support, aren't we, Jen? We sure are. And we're very grateful for our listeners. So God bless you and see us again next Wednesday. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, seatonhome.org, for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.